and I get to this race and I start all the way at the end, like past the walkers. I thought a mom of two with a dog attached to the stroller was going to go faster than me. Like I lined up behind her and then the gun go off and like I'm starting running. And that's when it kind of hit me that, oh crap, like I'm a runner. My now husband and I agreed on our second date. We are not people who run for fun. Run to escape zombies? Sure. Run is a necessary part of a pickup game of basketball. Okay. But run for miles on end chasing some feeling of inner contentment? Hell no. It was much to his dismay then when I started running three years ago. I started running because I wanted to move my body more and I wanted to practice personal accountability. Running seemed the easiest way to do it. No gym membership, no expensive equipment, just sneakers and pavement. But still, even then, I was not running for fun. I was not one of those people. Now let's pause for a second and imagine what those people look like and sound like. Maybe you picture Rob Lowe's character from Parks and Rec. High energy, frenetic, obsessive, and very, very trim. Maybe you picture marathon runner Des Linden, who became the first American woman to win the Boston Marathon in 33 years back in 2018. She's petite, she's wiry, and she has that stare of someone completely focused on her goals. Maybe you picture a friend of yours, a coworker, a family member who has been running their whole lives. That's how I pictured those people, the people who run for fun a few years ago, too. But when I started running races, I realized that the picture of a runner that I had in my mind couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, sure, there are plenty of wiry, high-energy, trim people who tow the starting line. But there are also people of all different shapes, personalities, and backgrounds who race, too. And we're all runners, no matter how off-brand any of us might seem. I'm Tara McMullen, and this is What Works, the show that transcends the hype about building a business by bringing you candid conversations with real entrepreneurs about what's really working for them. Now, I know I use running and fitness metaphors quite a bit on this show, but today there's a very good reason why I'm talking about running. Back on that second date with my husband, I had a certain idea of who a runner was and how someone got to enjoy running. Think of that as the brand of running. When I started running, I didn't feel very on brand. Now, my guest today is Martinez Evans, the host of the 300 Pounds and Running podcast and the founder of Slow AF Run Club. Martinez isn't very on brand either if you consider a runner someone who wears short shorts and only eats salads. But Martinez is very much a runner. And Martinez has built a brand around rebranding who you think of when you think of a runner. Today, we're talking about building a brand that defies convention and stereotypes. Martinez and I chat about how he got started sharing his journey to become a runner, how his first race changed his own idea of who a runner is, and why Toastmasters played a big part in him finding the confidence to go big. We also talk about dealing with negativity online and why he chose to create the Slow AF Run Club as a standalone community instead of a Facebook group. Now, let's find out what works for Martinez Evans. Martinez Evans, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Tara, thank you for having me. 
Absolutely. Okay. So I want to get into the story of your brand and sort of how you're defying expectations, but I think we need to get your origin story first. So can you tell me about the day you decided to start running and how you decided to share that online, that journey online as well? Oh, man, I feel like a superhero here. Um, (laughs) It it started off in June of 2012. I used to weigh somewhere around 400 pounds. Um, I really don't know the the weight because every scale I ran into stopped working at 350. But somewhere around like the 350 or 400 pound uh, mark. And I I found myself in a doctor's office because of some hip pain uh, that I was having because I was working um, sales all day. I used to work at Men's Warehouse, so I, I sold suits. And I stood on my feet all day long and ate trash. And I found myself in front of this doctor and he looked at me and he says, you know, Mr. Evans, I know why you're in pain. So I'm thinking it had to do something with um, a a previous football injury. Like maybe I got to get a hip replacement. And he just looked at me and said, you're fat. And I'm like, what? He's like, you're fat. So he goes on this whole tangent of like, I'm fat, I'm going to die and all this other stuff. And I'm a type of guy, you know, A, I like to have some type of comedic relief, but B, you're just not going to talk to me any type of way. So I was like, nah, 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 doc. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm going to run a marathon. And he laughed at me and, and not just a regular laugh, but like the biggest belly laugh I ever heard in my life. Like I told him a joke and he's like, that was the most stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like you running a marathon is stupid. Like you wouldn't do that. You'll just die. And I remember just leaving him and being like, screw you doc. Like I'm going to run this marathon. I'm giving you the PG 13 version. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And you know, I stormed out the doctor's office and on my way home, I I drove past this running shoe store. And I remember making a U-turn and going into the store and telling them I need running shoes and I need them now. And I got shoes. I went home. I got in the treadmill because I was like, I'm going to run this marathon. Wow. And failed miserably. Like I ran for only 15 seconds and I was heartbroken. I was like, this doctor is right. You know, all the other things, negative, negative self talk. You usually tell yourself. And then um, after I gained composure, I remember telling myself, like, I got to prove this doctor wrong. I got to prove everybody wrong who think I can't do this. So when it, uh, you know, 15 minutes, uh, 15 seconds became 30 seconds, which became a minute, that which led to a mile to now I ran five marathons last year. Oh, my word. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So how did you decide in this process then to also document the journey and share it publicly? Um, because it was 2012. So like the thing to do was to write a blog, right? Like, everybody <laughs> had a blog. And I was like, I'm, I remember talking to my girlfriend, who's my wife at the now is I remember telling her like, you know, I think I might blog about this. Like, I don't know much about this, but blogging seems like the right thing to do in, in this situation. And her being like, yeah, go for it. And it kind of just went on from there. And I was like, and she said, well, what are you, where are you going to call it? And I was like, 300 pounds and running. (laughs) And she was like, okay. And, you know, I got that from like my favorite rap group, NWA, because they have a song called 100 Miles and Running. And I was like, that has a nice ring to it. Mm -hmm. Like 300 pounds and running kind of has like the same amount of 
syllables that goes along with that song. So that's what it became. It's such a great it's such a great name. I mean, it's evocative, it's specific, and it's expectation defying, right? Yeah. Um, so it's it's so wonderful. Um, we'll get back to that in just a second, but I have what might be a silly question, but does that doctor that you that essentially helped you start this journey, does he know just how much you've accomplished since 2012? <laughs> no, because I go where I'm celebrated, not where I'm tolerated. So I've never seen that doctor again. I remember afterwards canceling all my appointments with him and going and find somebody else. That seems like a very healthy choice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Can you tell me about your first race? Um, I'd love to know sort of like what was going through your mind at the starting line and then what was going through your mind at the finish line? Oh, man. Um, ooh, you're taking me way back. Um <laughs> So it was a 5K. Um, it was, I want to say, the Steven Tyler, Steven Tiller uh, 5K. And it was for the one of the firefighters who passed in mm. September 11th. And he was from Connecticut. So his family had like this race. So went there. So let me tell you. So this is after me, like seeing a doctor. I'm going through this, start running on the treadmill, get outside. And I get to this race and I start all the way at the end, like past the walkers, past the mamas and strollers with dogs attached to it. I thought a mom of two with a dog attached to the stroller was going to go faster than me. Like I lined up behind her and then the gun go off and like I'm starting running. And that's when it kind of hit me that, oh, crap, like I'm a runner. Yeah. And like I'm passing them like mom with stroller, like you gotta get out the way, like you're going too slow. I thought I was gonna I thought she was gonna be out here. And I remember just passing a lot of people as I'm like running through this race. And like I had a grin and like the grin became like this full on smile when it was at the finish line. Cause I was like, I am better than what I thought I would be. And I feel like truthfully that's what life seems to be, is that you're a lot better than what you think you are. And that's what it was. Like, it, it just surprised me that before that race, I thought a mom of two with, with a stroller, with one of those dual strollers with like a German Shepherd attached to it and her Lululemons was going to like walk or run faster than me, who's been training for like a 5K at that time for like 10 weeks. That's incredible. I, I mean, I think so. I've only been running for uh, the last three years, but I had a very similar experience at my first race as well. Just kind of realizing, oh, wait, I am better than I thought that I was. Yeah. And also everyone else isn't as good as I thought they were. Exactly. Either, right. We always we always um, discredit ourselves more than we should. And we always credit other people more than we should. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So then at the finish line, when you finish that first race, what what were you thinking? I was like, I got to do more of these. Yeah. Like, this won't be the last one. And from that point on, I looked at my wife and I was like, it's time for me to do this marathon. <laughs> and this was at a 5K. Like, <laughs> there's a lot more miles to get there. But I remember telling her, like, I'm going to do this marathon. And she was like, okay, go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Um, okay. So the what you were just talking about and really the whole um, idea behind 
your brand, 300 pounds and running, is to defy the very idea of who a runner is, right? Like we have this yeah. idea in our head of what a runner looks like, especially especially what a marathon runner looks like, right? They're, exactly. they're small and wiry and really thin and they just go, go, go. And they kind of have that stare that just lets you know they're not thinking about anything but putting one foot in front of another. <laughs> um, so I know that kind of redefining or even kind of rebranding what a runner is or who a runner is, is a huge part of the mission of, of what you do. How are you, what are you doing on a regular basis or through your business to redefine the idea of who a runner is? Oh, that is a good question. I think for me, I put myself in interesting predicaments that most people wouldn't have the confidence to put themselves in. Mm. So what I mean by that is that um, I run races that are like like we're considered tough and like not just regular stuff, but like tough as nails. So, for example, the Big Star Marathon which has a like very strict cutoff. Like it has a 6,000 foot, uh, what is it called? Elevation. It's, it's a tough race. I signed up, I got in and I gave it all I could. And they picked me up around like mile 20, but I wasn't sad. I was like, yeah. okay, like I gave myself the best thing I can do. Or it's me doing interesting things with like photo shoots or like, um, being part of like artistic news or, um, I had the opportunity to work with one of the uh, best body painters um, in the world. Like she has worked with um, like brands like Ford and like these huge brands and, you know, being able to be in a park nude <laughs> and get it body painted and like have these pictures took in. Um, it, it's one of the things that I do to celebrate my body, but also celebrate the fact that I am 300 pounds and uh, 300 pounds and running and I, I can do these things. Um, the other thing was to create and launch the slow F run club, mm -hmm. which is a, a community to celebrate and provide a safe space for uh, slow runners online. And so I think it's a mixture of all of those things. Yeah. I definitely want to talk about the run club um, a little bit more in just a minute, but one question that comes to mind for me is around visibility. And mm -hmm. I'm curious if you have always been comfortable kind of putting yourself out there and being seen, not just in running, but kind of in life in general, or is this a skill that you've had to work on over time? This was definitely, it's, let me rephrase that. It's something that was there. I had like this little inkling of fire there that told me or that was like yes you can do this or like yes you can be out there but it really took me time to really cultivate that fire into like this huge thing of what you see now of you know when you see my race pictures i'm smiling i'm jumping i'm giving high fives but initially it wasn't that it, it was something i had to cultivate throughout the years gotcha and what did you can you kind of walk us through that journey? Was it kind of um, sort of the mindset shift behind being able to put yourself out there like that? Um, I, I would say it was a, one of the things that helped me the most was Toastmasters. Ooh, let's hear about that. <laughs> You'll hear about Martinez's surprise success with Toastmasters in just a minute. But first, a word from our What Works partner. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. 
Now, there's a very, very good chance that your brand is spread pretty thin right now. Let me guess. You're creating content on Instagram, on Facebook, maybe even on Twitter, YouTube, or on your own podcast. And fair enough. You want to reach people where they're at, get in front of new audiences and find new customers. But then what? Where are you going deep with your brand? How are you developing strong relationships with the people who are becoming fans or customers of what you do? When it comes to going deep with your brand, you have a lot fewer options. You can invest a good bit of money in a website that's really just a one-way conversation. You can send emails that end up in the same black hole as hundreds of other emails every day. Or you can build a mighty network. A mighty network is the ultimate way to go deep with your brand and build strong relationships with the people you care about. It brings your content, community, courses, and conversation together all in one place. Plus, your mighty network makes it easy to charge a monthly membership fee, charge for premium groups, or even charge for individual courses. And again, it's all in the same place. When you're ready to go deep with your brand building, you're ready for a Mighty Network. To start your Mighty Network free of charge, go to MightyNetworks.com. Uh, so yeah, one of the things that helped me the most was Toastmasters. And I remember um, talking to a friend and it was like, hey, like I know you feel like you might be a little uncomfortable with people or in larger stage, like maybe you should join Toastmasters. And I remember joining and having, you know, the speech I usually give you or like have you do at the beginning and being trash at it. And just like everything else in life, I was like, okay, I can do this. And I just got so much into it that I was a part of two clubs at one time going twice a week. And I just really got into it so much so that I competed in uh, what they call like the world championship or speaking, or uh, I got pretty close to it. So I got to the stage before Vegas. Wow. So that was like, I don't even know what round that was. So for our district, I placed third place. Like two people beat me out before I can go to Vegas. Like I was going to go in Vegas and compete. Wow. That's amazing. What are some of the things that you learned at Toastmasters that you are applying to sort of your visibility and, and like maybe your podcasting today? Um, the main thing is I remember is that it, it's not as bad as you think it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Public speaking, it isn't that bad. And like, once you figure out like what your three points are and stick to those three points, you can pretty much come up with a speech or talk to somebody or just have a conversation knowing that every statement or every thing that you want to have got to have three points and supporting, uh, supporting conversations. Um, uh, other than that is knowing that while you think it is um, nerve wracking, finding that one person in the crowd who is smiling, who is shaking their head, who is already enthralled into your your speech, like give the speech to them and not worry about anybody else that's around. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious how, you know, kind of similar, uh, it's on the same topic of visibility. I'm curious how. Um, you have dealt with any kind of negative feedback from people. And I, I did watch a video uh, of in kind of in prep for this interview where you had some choice language for the haters. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I think, you know, it's one thing to say, um, you know, you can go do your thing, haters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, a, it's another thing to like actually deal with that and process that. 
Can you talk us through how you have dealt with that kind of negative feedback internally? Um, yeah. So let me give you two two situations. I'm going to give you Martinez before he hired an uh, assistant to hire that. And then yes. after <laughs> Martinez hired an assistant to do that. Uh, before it was hard because I took everything personally. Yeah. Um, 300 pounds of running, uh, slow AF, all this became came from a thing that was near and dear to my heart. And it initially just started off as like me just being this guy. So every comment, whether good or bad, I took it personally and it was like emotional roller coaster uh, on my life. So when I did get press and like negative comments came, I focused on the negative, you know, 20 percent versus the 80 percent that was decided. And I remember talking to my wife, like, can you believe that he didn't? did xyz or he said xyz it's like but you don't you see all these other comments like look at those um and it's hard because we artists we're sensitive about our stuff and i don't want anybody talking crap about me (laughs) even though that's what happens in, in social media and it really took me years to like to really like get a handle under that and being like okay i need to take myself away from the situation Versus when I first started, got started, like I was so involved in everything, the, the social media, the comments, reading each one of them, liking each one of them, uh, re- replying to each one of them that, you know, from 2012 to now, it's like, OK, I need to take a break mm-hmm. or I just need to take a step back or I can't invest into these comments because I'm really trying to make this more profitable and uh, like my life, my my life daily job that these things are not valuable to me. And that's when I hired a personal assistant to take care of that. And that was by far one of the best moves I've ever did because, you know, I can still get to them if I need to. So, you know, I remember having this conversation with her when I first got started and she's like, well, how do you want this to happen? Like, what do you want this to be? And, I remember at that time, I just had like an interview with like some press and they was like, do you have like comments or screenshots of, you know, these things that happens in the DMs or like people just talking crap to you? And I remember like, yeah, like I save everything. And just that just hit me in my head. Like, OK, I do still need to save these because you never know when press is like, well, show me or let me know what comments is. So I remember just telling her screenshot it, pull in the file that I'll never see. Uh, just in case press X for it and then delete it. <laughs> like, I don't want to see it. And like, that has been so much of a godsend. Um, now I know what people mean about delegating and like freeing up your time for some of the smaller stuff um, versus like doing everything yourself. And it kind of re- brings me back to this story uh, when I worked at Men's Warehouse uh, so uh, we, at that time, I worked in Connecticut. I worked in um, Windsor, which is like one of the richer parts of Connecticut. And I remember this guy who was like this big businessman that was like one of my clients. And we used to just have conversations. And I remember him telling me about like how he just hired a housekeeper and all this other stuff. And he was like, you know, I can't remember what he told me, but let's just make an arbitrary number. He's like, you know, I make $200 an hour working at this insurance company. He's like, you know, for me to pick up this toilet brush, like that turns me into a $200 an hour uh, toilet cleaner where I can go hire somebody for $20 or $15, whatever the number was. And like, I'll make money off of that because 
the things that it would make take me to, you know, be that two hundred dollar an hour person. Like I can just uh, pay that person their money and still make off with it versus me doing it myself. And it, it kind of hit me like that thing always stuck with me. Yeah. Well, I think that's such a great example to your situation is, is almost an even better example of that kind of classic delegation uh, formula too, right? Because mm-hmm. for you, it's not just the dollar amount that you could be earning with that time that you're using to deal with trolls on social media. It's also the mental toll that it's taking, right? And that yes. has a huge impact on your financial profit line, but it certainly has a huge impact on your mental well-being profit line as well. Um, and the the impact of that, I don't think can be overstated. Um So I think this is probably a good opportunity to kind of transition into talking about the Slow AF Run Club, because, um, you know, basically, you've just demonstrated to us that social media is very much well, you know, while you are creating incredible relationships with people and you're connecting with people and you're showing up in a way that people desperately need to see, it's also a hostile place at the same time. And I imagine that the Slow AF Run Club is a very welcoming place or a welcome place for people who may not look the way we expect them to look, um, perform the way we expect them to perform, um, to have a safe space online, to have a safe space to gather without all that crap going on. What was the motivation for creating the Slow AF Run Club and and kind of how is it serving the people who are gathering there? Um, the motivation came from this is because so since I've been blogging since 2012, like I've kind of evolved with it and followed the trend. So I remember blogging for Instagram got big and jumping on Instagram and with podcasting got big and like hopping on podcast and I remember, you know, followers and just fans asking, like, hey, like, why don't you start a Facebook group? Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you start a Facebook group? And at that time, I'm like, why would I want to? Like, A, there's a lot of, like, running focus, slow runner focus Facebook groups out there. Like, that is not compelling to me. And when I found out about, like, Mighty Networks, like, I was like, oh, I'm so, like, this is something that I can get a part of and be a part of. Uh, to create the slow AF community on the backs of um, the name came from a, a conversation. Like somebody was like, you slow AF. And I was like, I am. And I'm proud of it. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, you know, that kind of just came from there. And I knew I wanted to have something, you know, as I'm, you know, working on becoming this, I want to say global brand influencer. I don't even know if that's a, a, a actual title, but as I am growing to like making this my full-time job, like I want to do something different than the traditional influencers because a, by being um, a black man, there's just some situations or like things that I can't even be privy to or even be successful with. So when you think about like Instagram influencers, you think about like makeup and fashion I'm a straight black man, like makeup, (laughs) not going to happen. And like, I'm a big dude. So like finding clothes is already hard for me. So like fashion won't happen. So I know I wanted to do something and my, my values of like running and weight loss and things of that sort is kind of different than the 
the, the typical model. Whereas like, you know, you look at my Instagram and I'm like, this is not a weight loss journey. You know, if I lose weight, it happens, but I'm not really focusing on that. And that kind of, that kind of, that motto or that thinking, it's kind of counterculture to like what traditional society says. So it put me in this weird predicament where I remember I was talking to like somebody that was, that worked in Brandon. And it was like, well, if you just change the way like you, you talk about your journey, like we can get you work with all of these like weight loss brands and pills and shakes. And it's like, well, that that's not even to me though. Like I can't, I don't like swallowing pills. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm caffeine sensitive. So like, why would I take something that has all this caffeine in it? And like, I'm just jittery all the time. Like, so that's a long story to get to, you know, I was looking for ways to bring my community together, have this two-way conversation, um, as well as find potential ways to make money from it. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's such a great point, though, about like not changing what you're doing, not changing how you talk about what you do just to kind of fit in with everybody else's business models or, mm-hmm. you know, the established revenue streams that are out there for influencers. Because not only do you not want to change, obviously, but also, once you do, now you're just competing in this huge marketplace of people who are trying to look hot or, you know, yeah. accumulate as many followers as possible. And it's a complete race to the bottom. Whereas with what you've done, you are carving out a very unique, just a, 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 something that you can own, right? Yes. Like for Every time I hear the term slow AF now, I will think of you, right? Yeah. Like there's, you own that phrase in my head now. And it's definitely something that comes up of, on a frequent <laughs> basis with, with my runner friends. So, um, you know, that I think can't be understated in terms of the value of building a brand. Right, right. Uh, I, I agree. And I feel like sometimes these things just stumble upon me, A, with mm-hmm. 300 pounds of running and B, with slow F. But I also think that it, it takes one of those, it takes a mind to be like, I am bought in on this and I'm going to go with this. Like before, I, I even think about like Google, like Google was just a random word. I think it was like two words put together, right? And like now it's it's something else. And when it comes to branding, it, it, it's just that, like you make it what you what you want it to be. And people will just follow. So, yes, like slow AF will always mean, you know, this this big black man with a big smile on his face with a wearing a turtle in a community. Just like you when you think of Google, you think of like that white box that just be blinking, like ready <laughs> yeah. for you to answer something. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um Okay, there's one other thing that I want to make sure to ask you about, uh, at least before we start wrapping things up here. And that is that on your about page on your website, you have the 300 pounds and running creed. And I love it. It is so clear and countercultural, which you've, you mentioned earlier. Um, And I would love to just hear how you came up with that and how you kind of use it to guide your brand. Oh, man. Um, So the way I came up with that creed, uh, was a conversation that I was having with um, a brand, actually. I can't remember which one, but they was trying to sell me on some type of protein or mm. some type of like diet drink. And when you when you have a name like 300 pounds and running, um, you, you just get a lot of things or people 
or brands coming your way trying to sell you on things that doesn't even roll in line with like the things you want to do. So I remember just having this conversation with them and being like, have y'all even looked at my webpage? <laughs> have y'all even read a blog? And then I just start like I went on this tangent. <laughs> like, you know, like I'm here to love myself, like nobody else. Like being perfect is for uh, fairy tales and Disney stories like that ain't me and I just kind of went on and I remember after the conversation being like I need to capture this <laughs> and I need to capture this because that is the way that I like to run my life I like to run the community and just people let people know like yes life is if life is imperfect you know this is don't have always have to be about a weight loss journey or a weight loss thing like we can just celebrate the the joys of living as well as just the joy of the journey I think if anything out of all these things uh, out of all the things that I learned and since starting in 2012 is that I'm addicted to the journey Mm-hmm. I'm addicted to going through the process, the highs, the lows versus more or less then getting to the finish line. Like I'm addicted to everything else that goes along in the journey to get there, the grind, the um, just everything else, the highs and lows versus just getting to the point. Because at the point I'm like, oh, like I'm sad now. I've got to the promised land. But all the other stuff that I did to get there was more fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what are you excited about next? Oh, man. Um, few things. Um, I have a, I am working with one of the largest sports world brands in the world. Cool. Um, I have um, some campaigns and commercials and things um, that I'm doing with them that I can't talk about right now, but it will be launched by the end of February. So that's exciting. The launch of the Slow AF Run Club app which is another great thing, you know, since launching the app, like the, my members has just shot up. Like now I'm getting somewhere around 25 to 50 new members a day. That's incredible. It is exciting. It's nerve wracking at the same time. Cause I'm like, I need to get more moderators in this thing, <laughs> but it is rare. It's very exciting at the same time. Um, also just got word back that I'll be f- filming like a, uh, a docu-series that's going to be pretty exciting. It's just, I think I came to the point, Tara, where I built all of this momentum to six two thousand and twelve to now that people are just about to see me everywhere, and it's going to be one of those stories of you know work hard for six years and then like I'm just like this overnight superstar, but they right. haven't really seen all the things that I've been through to get there. So. Now I can actually see that and be like, oh, like this date in February, my life is going to change as well as like this filming of the docuseries that I think will be on uh, like one of the big streaming platforms. Like my life will continue to change and just opportunities are just starting to roll on in um, that I never thought about. Like, let me just put one out there, like a book deal. Like I'm excited for uh, a literary agent to like come approach me so we can write this best-selling New York Times best-selling book together, right? So like just by me putting it out there and thinking about it, um, we're just like that opportunity will start to come towards me now. So, and I'm just excited about that. Absolutely. Well, I know there are literary agents that listen to this show, so (laughs) we'll make sure they know where to find you. (laughs) 
Martinez, this has been an incredible conversation. Thank you so much for sharing this journey with us and also for giving us a look at how you are redefining who a runner is and really staking a claim for your brand and what you stand for and who you are and what you're all about. Martinez, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Building a brand that defies convention and stereotypes is hard work. It takes persistence, diligence, and an ability to put up with people saying, wait, what? Every time you talk about what you do. Now, I love how Martinez has used his own journey to do exactly that. Every podcast episode he produces, every interview he does with the media, every marathon he runs, he's building his brand and telling a different story about running than the one people expect. Now, I'll tell you something else. Typically, I don't ask guests to share their origin story at the beginning of interviews. I figure that's already out there for people to hear. And that's true of Martinez, too. And look, we have other things to talk about on this show. But his origin story is so key to understanding how he's building the brand that I decided to go against my own policy. And that leads me to another part of building a defiant brand repeating yourself. If you want to do things differently, be prepared to repeat yourself and your story over and over again. Don't assume anyone knows anything about who you are or what you're about. If you're building a brand that defies stereotypes and industry standards, be prepared for it to be a journey. It is absolutely possible to change people's minds and help them see something new, but it takes time. Find out more about Martinez Evans at 300poundsandrunning.com and join the club at slowafrunclub.com. You can also find the 300 Pounds and Running podcast wherever you listen to What Works. Next week, we'll wrap up our series on building a brand with a conversation with Stacia Savasic. Stacia shares how defining her personal style helped her build a personal brand and the moving reason why the work she does is so important to her. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode was edited by Marty Seafelt. Production assistance is by Kristen Runfick. Find over 260 more candid conversations about what's really working to run and grow a small business today at explorewhatworks.com. 